0: The Four Horsemen. What you
1: have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and Excited color.
0: Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and... Derek <laughs> McCarson. The Four. Horseman.
2: I want you to answer the why question. Why should that scenario unfold? Where can you point to a scripture passage, or you can uh, give direction to folks that you you can't. You've, they've been let's say they've been living together for five years, okay? right? Basically, ask husband and wife, even though they're not, right? And now you're asking them to move out. So, so why?
1: Well, and on that same note, I've even had people tell me that they're already married in God's eyes.
3: Yeah, and that's another thing that I've heard before. We <laughs> don't need a had, piece of paper. Right, right. We're right. We're, we're, we're married in God's eyes. Right. Uh, we we
1: don't, yeah, that, we don't have that's to go been, that way. That's been one that's been thrown at me. Okay, um,
2: so give me some answers.
1: Well, for one, the woman at the well. Um, you know, Jesus basically is like, you've been married five times, and the guy that you're living with is not your husband. Okay. Um, and which, which is a problem. He gave her what? Living water. Right, and then she from that.
2: She, she became an event. No, no, hang on. I'm not saying she didn't. Right. We don't know actually. No, we did. Yeah. <laughs> it's not in the text. Did he say? Now, if you want this living water, you got to oh, move no. away from that. that I mean, again, I'm not trying. To, I'm really not trying to argue. I, no, I, know I get people it. out there listening and a- asking these questions. I want to be able to give them some answers. Right.
3: So it's just a thought. Ben, you want to jump in on this? You've been <laughs> strangely silent over there. He's over there stroking his beard
0: contemplating trying to have one good thought at least. <laughs> um that's not it. No. <laughs> I think I think fundamentally there's a there's a bigger problem which is that most Christians don't know what marriage is and they don't know what the purpose of it is. They don't know why it exists and they don't know what makes something marriage and what doesn't make something marriage. And so that makes it harder and a lot of times it doesn't get preached on, you know, like like we we'll preach text where it says there's married people in the Bible. I mean, th- it's in there, but a lot of times we don't really get to the, like the point of like why did, why did God do this? So the kind of the big picture, if you zoom out, the there's this meta narrative, right? There's this uh, God God is doing something real in the universe that we don't see all throughout history, right? So there's this thing that God is doing since before time began, and he'll be doing all throughout eternity. And we know that whatever that thing is, it's very similar to marriage because Paul clearly tells us that there's a mystery here, and the mystery is Christ and and the church, and that God is doing this thing all throughout history, human history, of uh, creating, preparing a bride for his son right and that they're going to be unified together there's going to be this marriage supper where they come together and then god's plan for humanity is going to be completed at that time so we see that in revelation so like all throughout history the bible's teaching us that there is a heavenly marriage there's this divine marriage between christ and the church so when you have that perspective when you zoom back in to these situations the question is okay Why does marriage exist? Marriage exists according to scripture because it is a visual picture for humans to see what God is trying to do in history, which means each individual marriage is supposed to be a reflection of what God, of God in his nature and his plan and of Jesus and of the church that, that belongs to Jesus. So any deviation from that image that God's trying to create is blaspheming the image of Christ in the church. Which is the that, that's fundamentally what God's problem is with things like um, homosexuality and polyamory and stuff like that. You know, it's not a physical act necessarily that that He's making a big deal about, although the Bible does talk about that. But it's this idea of you're you're saying, you know, I I can if I have in my mind a picture of you know a tulip, right? Which is God's favorite. Of course, flower. He went to yes. tulip. Okay, so let's say there's let's say there's a yellow tulip, right, that I have in my mind and you say this is a yellow tulip and you point to a red rose. I'm going to get angry at that because that's not what that's not what I'm trying to do here. That's that's a different picture. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I want you to draw a picture of a yellow tulip and you're drawing a picture of a red rose and you're like, well, this one's really pretty and it makes me feel nice when I look at it. And it seems just fine to me. And I'm saying, I don't care what you think. I It's my idea, right? You, I want you to do it the way that I said. It's the Cain and Abel thing. Right. And so uh, it's the same thing with the regular principle, principle of worship, right? God oh, yeah. has a way that he wants things to be done. So um, he gets to decide, right, how, how the church operates. He gets to decide how marriage operates. And so... Um, when you're dealing with these issues with people, the question is not so much, you know, how do you feel and what is your situation or whatever? It's like, okay, when like if somebody were to say to me, well, we're married in God's eyes. Okay, will you explain to me how the relationship that you have now um, is identical to the picture of Christ and the church that God sets forth in Scripture? Like, are you in a covenant together? Um, How committed are you to each other? Like, uh, have you... Have you done the till death do us part? Because that's not just words. That's a that's a biblical idea. You're allowed to leave your spouse when Jesus leaves His spouse. Like that's how this thing works. And what you find is is a lot of times in these kind of relationships, the level of commitment is not there. Well, I'm I'm scared to get married. Or like like you you joked about Adam, but it's true. I hear guys all the time. Oh, I'm not, I'm not ready to do that. Okay, so so you're committed to please yourself by having sex with this person and basically using them for your own benefit. You're uh, committed to uh, having less financial strain in your life, which basically means everything about your relationship is selfish and self-serving, which is the complete opposite of Christ in the church. And so, in a lot of these situations, the question needs to be, how is your relationship mirroring this image that God has set forth of Christ in the church? Because if you're not doing that, then you are blaspheming God with your life. And so if you're wanting to correct that, like if somebody were to come to me, like you were saying, Derek and say, Hey, we want to get married and join the church. My first question is going to be, why have you decided to do this? Like, you've been living, like, tell me what's different. And if I hear something like, well, we've been convicted about it. Okay, that's a good place to start, you know. But if it's just like, well, you know, we figured it's about time to do it. And I'm like, so what does marriage mean to you? Does it mean anything? Is it just a piece of paper? Is it just you want God to not be angry at you because you're sleeping together? You know, what What are you trying to accomplish here? And those are the kind of diagnostic questions. But fundamentally, like even for people who are married in the church with marriages that are unhealthy, the fundamental question needs to be, okay, your relationship looks like this right now. Jesus' relationship with this church looks like this over here. Where do these line up and where do they not line up? Mm -hmm. And that essentially shows you the lay of the land as far as what do we need to work on here? Is there issues of selfishness? Is there issues of a lack of commitment? Is there issues of a misunderstanding of your roles? You know, How do those kind of things work? And so, so that's, I mean, that's how I would approach those situations is basically saying your marriage isn't really about you. Like you don't really get to decide what your marriage is and, and what you should and shouldn't do and what your role is. Um, God decided that when he created the world. And the question is, is are you in line with with the picture he's trying to paint or are you trying to call something what it's not? And just because you say that something's marriage doesn't mean that it's actually marriage because that's God's idea.
2: Yeah. And, and following up on that, I think you know, what Ben's really been highlighting is the chief end of man, which is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So as, as God has established that institution and set these parameters of what true marriage is, that we reflect him and give him glory that he is, is due. But along with that, you know, the first commandment of course is to love God with all of our being, but then the other to love our neighbors ourself. And so there's also that dimension of which God founded marriage and, and pronounced his creation at the, the pinnacle of it is very good. And so how I would answer the what is that God's got this beautiful thing called sex, the two becoming one flesh. And when it's done in a sacred commitment to each other, that it becomes something that is very good. And so by... Having that, uh, those parameters and following the biblical commands, the Creator's established this is how life works. This is how you can experience real joy. And, and outside of that, it becomes destructive. The way I've often illustrated it is to say, you know, if you've got a fire in the fireplace, it, it'll keep your house warm all winter. Uh, you let the fire get out on the floor, it'll burn your house down. Mm -hmm. And so what God's done is God's taken that covenant, that commitment, and he's taken this joyful experience of of the sexual relationship and he's put it inside his uh, parameters. And he says, this is how it works. This is how it works best. And when he gets out of that, it becomes a destructive thing. And and so far I've been doing marriage counseling for 40 years, basically. And, um, I have yet to have a couple come to me that's on the brink of divorce or saying, you know, we're done when it got that serious. I would ask them this question before you got married. Did you go too far? And 100% of the time they had to say yes. That's not saying that everybody out there, that that would be true. And there may be an exception one day. I'm just telling you what I have seen is, is that there's that guilt And shame that comes in that, and especially a woman's conscience, even more tender, I think. We've already kind of hit that a little bit. And if those things aren't dealt with, it's kind of like, you know, uh, the seeds of destruction are sown. They may not grow up right away, but I think eventually they do. So when God said this, this is how marriage works. He was doing that for our good.
3: Mm -hmm. It's all really good, guys. And um, that's some wise counsel from everybody. Let's, let's do another scenario. Um, let's say you're, you're pastor and you find out that you have a church member who's started shacking up with somebody. Do you go to them or do you wait for them to come to you? W- what point, um, are you going to enact church discipline? Um, what's, what's your response there? What's your role? Um, well, I guess I, w- I would start off and say that um, if that person is in a position of leadership, if, I mean, if they're just the regular Sunday morning pew sitting, not really involved, um, that's different than somebody who's in a position of leadership or maybe somebody who's teaching or uh, somebody who's heavily involved in the church. Um, obviously it's wrong either way, but in one sense, you have somebody influencing a lot of other people and they're in a, in a position of authority or, or leadership there. So, um, that's the hard part. I mean, I think I would probably go and confront them and say, look, I need to ask you a hard question and I need you to be 100% honest with me. Level I think, I think that's just biblical.
0: I don't, I think if you, if you know that that's happening in your church and you're not addressing it, you're not being a pastor. That's a shepherding issue. Right. To, to the knowledge. And, and then of course the, the, level of public knowledge of the sin affects the level of confrontation too. You know what I mean? Like if you have a leader that commits some kind of public sin, that that's going to be knowledge. Like it's totally appropriate to tell them, like you're going to have to step down right away. Like you've, you're disgracing the gospel and this church by doing this in another situation. you know, somebody comes to you and says, you know, I had an affair with my spouse or something like that, you know, um, that's that's a situation where, you know, it's not like, well, hey, we're not going to kick you out of the church. I mean, for, like we've dealt with that. We've had situations where we've had couples come to us and say, hey, there's been some sexual immorality. We know that it's wrong. We're here because we want to repent. We want to get some help. We want to get some counseling, that kind of stuff. That's a different scenario when they come to you. But it's right. like if, if, some, if I hear or if, say I see some guy out with some woman that's not his wife having dinner and it looks pretty romantic. And I don't tell him, I saw you at this place, and like you said, I need you to be honest with me about what's going on. Um, if I don't do that, then I'm not really being a pastor. Because what I'm saying is is that um, by being passive, the, and really it's not just pastors, it's Christians in general, we're supposed to hold one another accountable. Um, when you don't confront that person with their sin, what you're doing is you're hating them because you're allowing them to persist in something that's bad for their soul. And that disgraces Jesus. And so, what you're saying is, is I love my comfort more than I love Jesus because this person is disgracing Jesus with their life.
3: Yeah, those are those are tough conversations to Very have. I've, I've been there. And I, I don't think you, you've really been a pastor until
0: you have. Sleep right. right. I know. I know you guys have been
3: <laughs> in those situations, and man, you, it makes you physically sick to yes. leading up to it, knowing that you're going to have to go in and do that. Com- you lose that sleep conversation. Over it. and and then afterward, even. You beat yourself up, you think did I handle that right? Could I've said that differently, man, this person's mad at me. They're never coming back to church. Well, that's My name used, is, and, mud that's now, true. and that's that's where you're you're gonna have to take that black eye and and like ben said be be a real pastor and yeah, you may lose somebody, but um your responsibility is to shepherd that flock and to uphold the word of God and, I, and
2: I'm trying to think of of one time that I've had to confront somebody an issue like that, that it ever worked out <laughs> that they repented.
3: It's never worked out in my, in, and in, that I can think and of. And so
2: after you go through that, say you're relatively young in, in ministry. If you go through that year after year, after year, <laughs> person after person, after person, it's like the, the cat that sits on a hot stove. <laughs> He'll never sit on a hot stove again. In fact, he won't even sit on a cold stove. We don't even like stoves anymore after that. And, and it's it's like, you know, I know what I got to do, but uh, Pretty sure how this is going to turn out but you still have to do it because right. you have to answer to God ultimately and and you also love the people and you know what's best for them even if they won't receive it but but let me let me kind of throw this out and, and it's it's a little bit of a mitigating factor and see what you think about that i'm I may hear of something because somebody brings it to me uh somebody comes and says you know old Joe over there he's involved with X y z and they're 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 shacking up. Well, I don't think that's my responsibility first as the pastor to mm-hmm. run over there and confront them.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Matthew 18 says they need to go.
2: Yes, yes. And oftentimes it might even be better received coming from that, that person mm-hmm. because they may have a connection. They may be friends, you know, and, or family perhaps. That the, That's where it needs to start. It's almost like, you know, if you've got a, a court case, you don't go right to the Supreme court. Okay. You got to work your way up,
0: up through that. That crushes gossips too. Yeah. Cause, how, Cause nine times out of 10, somebody, some gossip in the church will come. And did you hear about such and such? And, and then when you throw it back at him, did you talk to him? Like I've had people come, you know, I'm really concerned about so. So Oh really? Did, did you let him yeah. know? Well, I thought it would be your place. You know, I, th- I think it would really mean a lot coming from you, you know, and all of a sudden they don't have a whole lot to say anymore. You know, because you put you push it back on them like that, but but yeah, I mean Matthew eighteen, Matthew, you know, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. That's not a that's not a prosperity verse. That's a church discipline verse. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's basically if you see somebody, you're supposed to confront them, not in a you know, oh look at you, sinner, but in the sense of like, hey, I'm concerned if if you keep going down this road, uh, you're you're really going to be in trouble. You're really yeah. going to mess your life up and not only that but you're going to bring shame on Jesus and on the church and and the gospel um, and that's not good for anybody and it's not good for you you know and you and you got to love somebody enough to have those hard conversations like you were saying Derek cuz if, if it's just a matter of you know well I want to be a good pastor you know everybody can think you're a good pastor and you cannot do anything hard Mm-hmm. The hard stuff, that's the stuff that nobody sees because you can't get up on Sunday morning and say, well, you know, I was on so-and-so's porch last week and they cussed me out because I did You know, I mean, you can't do that. You can't you do shouldn't. that kind of stuff. That's the stuff about pastoring that people don't see yeah. that you have to do. You know, well, why Why is pastor so stressed out? He only works one hour a week. And it's like if you knew some of the co- those conversations that were going on, you might have a,
3: a little more understanding of why your pastor's having a rough week. So let's throw out one more scenario. All right church member comes to you, friend comes to you, a person in your Sunday school class comes to you, and they say, look, here's my situation. I have this friend, or I have a son, or I have a daughter, or somebody in my family, and uh, they're gay, and they're getting married, and I'm invited to the wedding. Obviously, I, I believe in biblical marriage, but I love this person. I want to maintain my relationship with them, what do I do? Do I, do I go and support the person and, and be a part of that? Or do I talk with them and say, look, I'm, I, I love you, but how would you counsel that person?
1: Uh, I've, I haven't had this scenario, but it, it's a possibility. Um, one that I've actually debated someone close, not real close, but family um, that this could be an issue at some point. And, you know, I've really wrestled with it. And the, the truth is, is in my case, I don't know that I would be invited because he knows where I stand. Um, but if he were to invite me, I, I don't know that I would because I feel like him knowing the way I feel, it would almost be like he's trying to throw it in my face. And so I don't know that I would go, um, I would counsel that person, um, in that situation that I would ask that question. Do they know where you stand on Mm -hmm. the situation? Mm -hmm. Because again, if they know and they're still doing it, then, then they're doing it. There's a heart of rebellion there. Of course there obviously is, but I think there's a heart of rebellion. Now, if they don't know where you stand on it, then that's a whole nother topic, you Mm -hmm. know, in a sense of, um, you haven't had those discussions or um but I I would probably counsel someone not to go Uh, and I've really debated that hardcore because it could break relationship but the thing I fall back on is is what I said is it they know my heart they know that I'm not for it and so Mm -hmm. if I were to be invited that it would be trying to throw it in my face and it it wouldn't be a thing of love or uh, anything like that it would be I'm gonna, you know, you know, and I would have to put my money where my mouth is. Honestly, Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't go. So
2: well, and and I think what I've seen is, uh, say you have a homosexual union, and someone who is a Christian who disapproves of that, but because they have those family connections, they go, and then they're posting on Facebook pictures and you know, (laughs)
3: congratulations
2: and all this kind of. Uh, of stuff, and and that marriage uh, is a celebration. Okay, mm-hmm. so what I would say to that person is: Is this something you can genuinely celebrate? Is mm-hmm. this something that you think God celebrates? And if you can't do that, but love
3: is love, right? Love is love. <laughs> if it's <laughs> At least real, that's love. what it's what the culture <laughs> but, says. But is. But
1: love is not the acceptance of all that. Whatever is. it feels like, yeah,
2: love yeah. is
3: not a necessary condition. Yeah, Ooh. but for marriage,
2: yeah. L- Love is uh, a many splendored thing, right? <laughs> so, so, uh, so that would be how I would counsel them. I, I understand it, and and I believe in Christian liberty. I guess it would be within the realm of possibility that a person could go just because they care about somebody and not quote celebrate it and all that sort of thing. But, but really, that's the purpose of it. And so, if you can't be part of that, you know, if you can't eat the cake and you know, throw the rice or whatever they do now. Um, You know, I I just don't, I don't see how you can, you you should do it. I would advise advise them not to do
3: it. You know, I think about that scripture where Jesus says that the son of man comes to bring a sword to to divide mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters and and, and so on. So, you know, you you make your stand with Jesus and you're going to be on that unpopular side so many times. And that's part of the cost. But you can do it in a loving way and, and tell them, look, you know, I love you, but. Ben, what about you? Um,
0: no would be the short answer. Um, basically, a lot, of, a lot of what Dennis was saying about, you know, you're, you're talking about an event that's explicitly designed for celebration. And so you've got to be um, in agreement with what's going on in order to really participate in what's going on. And the other thing is, 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 again, as Christians, we have to rejoice in the things that God rejoices in. Like, 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 we don't get to really have an opinion about what we agree and don't agree with. Like, God decides that because we belong to him. And so, like, for instance, I wrestle with this because, um, like, with the Catholic Mass you know, like a few years ago, I would have been okay with attending a Catholic Mass, even though I don't agree with what's going on there. I didn't feel very strongly about it. And the more that I studied and understood what is going on in the Mass, the more that I realized is that it's basically a blasphemy of the Gospel, and that by being present at a Catholic Mass, I'm essentially endorsing this blasphemy that's happening. Because it's taking an image, again, that God has set up of of complete justification by Jesus on the cross, and it's marring that image by providing a temporary justification through the sacrament. And so I don't agree with that. In the same way, uh, any marriage that's outside of the covenant marriage that God has ordained in Scripture, um, is it's a blasphemy of that image that God has made. And so you know and that would be really offensive to people but it's not really about the people i think that there's i think you could go to wedding ceremonies for straight people that would be equally as blasphemous mm-hmm. depending on the circumstances so it's not just like a homosexual thing but it's just it's a thing in general of you know I, like i think you know when people go into the justice of the peace when they go to the government and they say we're going to go to the courthouse and get a piece of paper and that means that we're married now in my opinion that's not a real marriage and so uh, I wouldn't really want to attend that either because I would say like this, I mean, that's like saying that, you know, going to the DMV and getting your driver's license is like being saved. You know what I mean? It's it just, it's not the same thing. And so, so that would be my disagreement where I would counsel that person not to go and, and say, listen, you can love that person. You can tell them that you want what's good for them. Right. You can tell them that you want them to be happy, which is true. But those things are not going to be found and then pursuing an image other than the image that God has laid out. Like God knows what's best for his creatures. And, and at the end of the day, that, that's the reason why, you know, the, the deal with people that have, uh, you know, gay family members and stuff like that, the reason why you don't need to be hateful with them is because the reason you disagree with them is because you love them. Right? It's like, listen, the, the, the reason why I don't agree with your lifestyle choices isn't because I think you're a nasty person or because I don't understand you or because I think that you're somehow more of a sinner than everybody else. That's not the reason why. It's because I think God has a plan for your life that um, that is better than the decisions that you're making. And I want good for you. And I want you to be happy. And I want you to be satisfied. And I want you to be fulfilled. Like, I want all of those things for you because I care about you. I just don't think this is the way that you're going to find it. And the fact is, is I'll tell the same thing to an alcoholic. I'll tell the same thing to anybody else. Right. I'll,
1: this is the big question with whether to go to one of those or not and this was the thing that played out in my head and i've only been to a few weddings that they actually did this but if they if you went to one of these weddings right and they were to ask if anyone objects mm, speak now right you better stand up nobody does that anymore. i know but i've been to two that they've done that but if they were <laughs> to do that would you stand up and say yes i object because ultimately that's, it, well, my guess it is if you actually
2: went, you probably would not. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But what, you know, if you couldn't stand up, then there's a problem.
3: Well, all these are weighty matters and, um, we've kind of got into the deep end on some of these things, but Hey, this is the world that we live in and we're not uh, shying away from these tough topics. And if you're in ministry, if you're involved in any way in church, Um, You are already dealing with the things that we talked about here and as Pastor Dennis alluded to, um, it's probably not going to get better unless there's a heaven sent revival. So we have to be prepared and we have to be ready to give an answer to the hope that is within us and we have to do it in love. So um, let's do that as we counsel others in marriage, and let's be the best husband or wife that we can be so that we're modeling that for our kids and the people that are watching our lives. Thank you. We hope you'll be listening to us next time.
0: You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horseman. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review.
3: They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than best the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they are calling for Katrina.